This podcast is being brought to you by the World Trade Center, Arkansas, Gateways Podcast. This series is hosted today by Denise Thomas, CEO of World Trade Center, Arkansas, and Jenna Carter, Global Trade Director and Foreign Policy Advisor here at the World Trade Center. Our guests today are Sandler, Travis, and Rosenberg, Nicole Bivens Collinson, and Angela Marshall Hoffman, both with Sandler, Travis, Rosenberg. Ladies, I would like very much for you to tell our guest a little bit about yourself. Nicole, we'll start with you. Great. Thanks, Denise. And I appreciate the opportunity to be before you, the World Trade Center, and everyone there in Arkansas. So I'm Nicole Bivens Collinson. I'm President, International Trade and Government Relations with Sandler, Travis, and Rosenberg, and I'm resident in our Washington, D.C. office. What we do is interact on all trade issues, whether it's goods or services. We help you with respect to understanding how to get the good in or how to get the good out, how to comply with U.S. laws, and we also work on influencing those laws as they move forward. Angela? Thanks, Nicole, and good morning, everyone. I'm Angela Marshall Hoffman. It is so nice to be on this call today. I have to say, not only am I proud to be with Sandler Travis Rosenberg, but I'm also proud to be on the Board of Advisors for the Arkansas World Trade Center. So exciting to be part of this exciting group today. Uh, My background, I'm the Vice President for Trade and Supply Chain Resiliency. And yes, that is very much focused on navigating the complexities of the world today from supply chain to trade markets. We're going to talk a lot about that today. Um, also have a very long history related to Northwest Arkansas, many years at, at Walmart, and then before that on Capitol Hill. So watching how companies not only work with policy, but also understanding how policy is created and, and what that looks like. And we're going to talk about that sausage making today. So Angela, I'm going to ask you to do, give a little plug about Organization of Women in International Trade, which is a new chapter or revised chapter here in Arkansas. Absolutely. So the Organization of Women in International Trade is actually a global organization. There are chapters in the U.S., Canada, Europe, uh, Latin America. Very excited to have one in Northwest Arkansas. Revitalized, recently kicked off. OWID has over 25 chapters and over 5,000 members around the globe. Fostered, It fosters trade alliances and networking within its membership. Wonderful. Thank you. Jana, tell us a little bit about you. Um, Jana Carter, World Trade Center, um, Foreign Policy and um, and Trade Director. I am trying to better understand our free trade agreements, understand the new opportunities that it that it provides for our Arkansas businesses. Because our real aim here is to help our SMEs in the state to grow bigger and better and be able to do international exports. So with that today, I think we're having. A good policy discussion that will hopefully benefit and show um, some of our some of our audience here, but also some of these businesses, ways in which they may be able to grow their exports. So, Benice, wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, all all three of you, for being a part of this conversation today. Um, we're going to have a discussion about. Uh, Today, today our guests will cover the Senate United States Innovation and Competition Act in of 2021 and the House of Representatives Compete Act, also known as America Creating Opportunities for Manufacturing. Uh, this will be a very robust conversation, so I really kind of want to have Nicole lead us off into what's going on in D.C. I mean, kind of give us some understanding about these acts and how they benefit the state of Arkansas and just just how do they work? What do they mean to to the businesses here within the state? Thanks. It's a great question, Denise, and, and I think it's one that 
companies need to be aware that, believe it or not, in Washington, D.C., a lot of times what Congress is trying to do is help companies. And they do this sometimes well and sometimes not so well. But one of the things they're looking at right now is the USICA bill, which is in the Senate, and the Competes Act, which is in the House. And with this bill, they're trying to look at ways to make sure that U.S. companies have a level playing field. I mean, if we look around the globe, there are a lot of competitors out there, and I think we've seen the impact of the pandemic and how that pandemic has shown our supply chains to be implicated and impacted by events that happen around the globe. Because of this, there's a a refocused effort on how can we make sure that the United States is more competitive. We've also seen countries which have used, I would say, um, unfair means to advance in the world of technology and manufacturing, countries like China that have stolen intellectual property or trade secrets left. There's a war that's going on right now with Russia and Ukraine and how that's impacting our trade world. So all of these things are having an impact directly on the United States. The Washington, D.C. is trying to look at a way to help companies be more competitive, to try to help them grow their way out of this um, uh, depression. I don't know if we're in a depression, but in this um, recession that we have right now. And and how can they be more competitive and to level that playing field? Angela, any additions? Well, I think, you know, we've been seeing the real-time impact of this. And, and again, we're coming out of COVID, but anyone who has sort of increased their purchasing online or you've seen shelves that are not stocked anymore, if we've moved from sort of just-in-time to just-in-case, um, what does that mean if you try to buy a car? And those little chips have not been available. It's taking a lot longer. Or if you're a manufacturer, we've got a lot in Arkansas, and those really key components, the prices are skyrocketing, or you're finding a way that they're bottlenecked in terms of getting that delivery. And so that's really shut down your production times. So it's a really unusual time. And really what Nicole's talking about here is Washington's trying to find a way to make things work and help us make it work here in America as well. And that's what these bills are really about. Wonderful. Jana, I know you had a few questions you wanted to ask. What do you have? Well, you know, we were we're talking about um, these two acts, and I think it would be somewhat helpful to kind of get a sense of how they differ. What does it exactly mean to have one act in the Senate and another in the House? And ultimately, you know, how does that play forward with the negotiations and the process? Basically, trying to understand kind of, the I guess, the give and take of each of those and what that would mean to our Arkansas businesses here. So So I would say, you know, from an uh, overview, just when you have a bill, I don't know if some of you are old enough to remember um, Schoolhouse Rock, and there was the song about I'm just a bill up on Capitol Hill. It's a great little song and story. Look it up on Google it. But when you have a, a bill that's moving forward, sometimes you have one chamber that has thinks they have the right answer and another chamber that thinks they have the right answer. And so the bills need to then be reconciled. And what happens is the two bills will come together and they will appoint conferees. They will appoint a certain group from the Senate, members of members of the Senate and a certain group from the members of the House. They will be on this committee. They will then come together, look at the provisions and decide, you know, I think we agree with what the Senate wrote or I think we agree with what the House wrote. And then a conference bill will come out which then has to go back to each chamber and it has to be voted on again. Once that is complete, it goes to the president for signature and it can become a law. So we're at 
the place right now where we're trying to to conference the two bills or reconcile the two bills into one solid bill. Okay. Is there any thoughts on the timing of that? I know it's a, you know it's kind of a toss up, but it's just interesting to see how. And I guess part of it is kind of what might take precedence over this. But is there any idea of kind of? I know we're being conferenced, but is there any idea of when it pop, might pop out on the other side? I just don't know how hard the negotiations are going to be. Let me frame that a little bit about sort of what's in it, the meat, and we can kind of talk about that because at the end of the day. The heart of this matter is really investment in the semiconductor industry. So it's where we want to compete. So many of you may not know, but, you know, a large portion of those semiconductors are made outside of the United States, primarily in Taiwan. And, of course, the world is upside down right now. And not having a single source reliance on one country, certainly one that we've had a lot of discussion. We've been in a trade war with China over the past several years. We're not sure where they're going to go vis-a-vis Russia. Having that key part of our technology back in the U.S. is really what this bill is all about. Now, as Nicole mentioned, the one thing they should also add there is sort of the Christmas Christmas song because this becomes a bit of a Christmas tree. When you have one vehicle moving, lots of things get added in. And so we can talk about what some of those pieces are because the timing is really going to come down to what stays in the bill and what at the end of the day may need to be added in to get it over the goal line so both the countries and what may sort of fall off on the bill. And so maybe let's talk through some of those provisions because there's there's a lot of things because you have one bite at the apple to get a big piece of legislation that is really going to affect the timing. And then also, we have a lot of conferees. There's not one or two, Nicole. There's almost 100. So this is a historic measure. So getting this thing done is going to take a lot of lifting and a lot of coordination. So let's defer to the two of you as to kind of what are those, you know, key provisions or key takeaways that we really should be mindful of as it kind of moves through this process. So there are there a few that we should really keep an eye on? I think there are with respect to trade, right? This is the World Trade Center. So I'm going to focus in on the trade. Um, I would, however, just, and maybe Angela can elaborate a little more on this, we do need to focus on the investment opportunities, the grants, and the technology, um, because that may be something for some of you, because Arkansas is a great center of development and research, and, and it might be useful to look at that as well. But from the trade perspective, we have several provisions. One is called the um, the there's the Section 301 tariffs. Some of you, if you have been using any products, inputs or finished products that have been made in China, you recall that under the Trump administration, tariffs, additional tariffs were put in place on about $550 billion worth of goods. Your tariffs are either 25% or 7.5%. That has added to the inflation um, because we can't simply pick up production and move it at the, at the drop of a hat. And there are still companies and some products where the costs of moving production out of China are so significant, or you're in a a, a very delicate um, industry and you have to have certain standards, certain qualifications that have to be met. And those can't just be quickly replicated. That takes three to seven years to have a clean room that can produce semiconductor chip that doesn't have any any products in it. So there's there's changes that need to happen. Um, but this provision would allow you, if you are impacted by those tariffs negatively, if you're having to pay those duties, it would allow you to seek an exclusion. Right now, there it was just 
by the goodness of the Trump administration that they allowed an exclusion process. It is not mandated by law. This would mandate one by law. So that's one thing I think a lot of companies are looking at, which might give them some relief in the short term. There's also a provision on um, the GSP, which is the Generalized System of Preferences. And this is a preference program for developing countries. In certain developing countries, for certain products that reach that meet a specific rule, can come into the United States duty-free. And this is really for the poor countries. Most of the African countries are included in this. Haiti, other developing nations, they are included in this program. And um, it expired. It has been renewed. It's anticipated to be renewed retroactive to its expiration date. So if you were previously getting your product or input in duty-free as of December 31st, 2020, you'll be able to get a refund. And that program will be extended maybe until 2027 if the Senate provision prevails or 2024 if the House provision prevails. Either way, it's, you know, it's going to be extended, I believe. There's the miscellaneous uh, tariff bill. This is a, a bill and a program that's been in place for probably 40 years, which is if there are inputs or if there are products that are being brought into the United States that aren't made here, there's no domestic competition, and they have a minimal impact on the revenue of the United States, then you can bring the, your duties will be suspended or maybe reduced for three years. This is something that helps companies who are trying to invest, who are trying to, sometimes if you're starting a new company here, you may not be able to get all of your inputs in the United States, but you can get some imported and some from the U.S. And one of those things is if you start building the manufacturing, you're able to get your inputs in duty-free. Eventually, it becomes strong enough and your production becomes strong enough that you can justify producing that in the United States and no longer having to import it. So it's a three-year uh, suspension or um, reduction of, of tariffs. There's also a provision in there that has to do with um, e-commerce. So during the pandemic, a lot of e-commerce evolved and exploded. Now, there's, there's two things that may impact you if you have an e-commerce business. One of them is a provision which would restrict the eligibility for countries to use that provision. And the de minimis provision is if you bring something in one day under $800, you don't have to pay any duties. You don't have to file with customs. It can come in. It's like if you went on a trip and you bought a beautiful painting, but it's too big to come back on the airplane, and you need to ship it to yourself. You ship it to yourself. When it comes in, you don't pay any duties. It just comes to your house. Well, that's become a commercial enterprise now, and companies, many micro-businesses have set up, and it's been great. We've seen a boon in, you know, new businesses and small businesses and micro-businesses, but there's a concern that this is being used to circumvent the additional 301 tariffs on China and on other countries, so it would be restricted to the countries that can use it. We can go right now, the, the restriction criteria would only impact China. So if you're impact, importing things from Vietnam or Cambodia or India or Bangladesh, you'd still be able to use it. But if it's from China, you wouldn't be able to use it. And I think the other thing to be aware of is if you have an online presence, there could be a new requirement that you disclose the country of origin um, for all of your products, as well as the country that may own that. For example, I ordered a little um, side purse uh, recently, and when it came here, finally, it was coming from the Czech Republic. I had no idea, and I was just kind of flabbergasted that that's what happened, and I couldn't imagine why it took four weeks, but uh, now I know. Um, so it would require that information be, to be disclosed. And there's some other provisions in there, but I think those are key to impacting trade. 
And maybe, Angela, you can talk a little bit more about the investment opportunities that are in the bill as well. So, again, a big, big part of the investment opportunity is really focused on bolstering the industry around EVs and AVs. And I know we've got a lot of part manufacturers in Arkansas who build great tires. A lot of the infrastructure is coming together as well. So there's over $50 billion for investment in the semiconductor industry. We're already seeing commitments by Intel and more to open plants across the U.S. There's a little bit of an interesting sidebar to this as well, though, that we need to also have the critical minerals. And we'll talk about that on, on an upcoming podcast as well. But not only do we need to sort of lock down and make sure we have the capacity for our semiconductors, our chips, sort of our intellectual property protected there, but we also need to make sure that we have access to the raw materials and sort of these rare earth minerals that are not, they're not mined here in the U.S. And there's a couple of key locations like Russia and more that we will no longer be able to purchase those items from. So, again, we're looking at sort of solutions around the supply chain. This competes, gets us moving in the right direction. It also folds into a larger supply chain review that the Biden administration has been conducting, um, looking at everything from, uh, you know, medical equipment, pharmaceutical to um, our critical supply chain. So, again, I think the investment piece will also be key. There will be some um, funding come out, Nicole, for um, investment in our infrastructure on the grid and making sure we have charging stations. So the world is definitely trending into a direction that we're trying to get accelerated in terms of that sort of EV-AV industry and the clusters and the industries that will come around the production that is moving back to the U.S. And then also um, maybe mention the TAA provision in the House version. So trade adjustment assistance is, is something that has long been used to offset um, the workers who are displaced by trade. And and though it's a little bit of a tricky thing because much of the trade has been, and those jobs have been replaced by technology. But this really does re- add, in, add in more incentives to reinstate the Trade Adjustment Assistance Program and eligibility for entities to receive. I know some of the programs and training programs in, in uh, Northwest Arkansas and actually throughout the state, Denise, are involved in helping these workers with transitional jobs. So there may be funding coming in that you can look into in that piece. That would be really good for the state because there's a lot of programs that are working towards workforce development for us, for people who are here in the state that have been displaced for one reason or another. So we can get into that conversation in a future podcast. So if there's specific interest about industries, we'll be more than happy to address that specifically because workforce development really is an, uh, something that's needed, but also an advantage that Arkansas has because we do have an able-bodied and willing workforce. So that's something that we can discuss in the future. But thank you for making that point, Angela. Jana, do you have another question? Nice, I don't. I think that we hit the really the high marks of all of this and had a really good discussion about that. So if you don't have any additional questions. Well, I would say what are some of the key takeaways? What are the big rocks that we need to really just hold on to and think about and ponder and maybe even investigate a little more in the future? So I think the big takeaways are um, looking at the potential for the 301 exclusions. I think looking at whether or not you have a product under the miscellaneous tariff bill or knowing that that process is going to be renewed and taking advantage of that in the future, which will come up in October. And I think also looking at the um, changes that might come about with respect to online, because as I said, I know so many entrepreneurs developed a small business during the pandemic 
or were on their way and it just exploded in the pandemic, that those changes could be very impactful. Angela? Yep, and I'm going to talk about sort of the make it, move it, and sell it. So, you know, this bill has lots of funding for, you know, increasing manufacturing here in the U.S. So if you are in that part of the business and you're interested, look at where this funding is going. A lot of that's going to come locally. You know, moving it, it's helping us accelerate the supply chain. And as Nicole mentioned, there, if you're in the e-commerce business, you got to get ready. Make sure you've got your labels ready to go. So be ahead of the game so you're really able to market and sell those products. And then the last piece is, you know, as you're selling and looking at new customers, your costs right now, we're really at a time of inflation. It's not going to get easier. That pressure is going to be key. So taking any of that cost out of your system to make your product more competitive, look at those provisions and understand how you can either get a tariff exemption, look at GSP. Um, Often those pennies, they add up to a lot, and it really affects the bottom line, and it really affects your ability to sell a product in a competitive manner. So there are ways to make yourself um, more effective, and and that's what this bill is all about. Well, I want to ask, when um, there's some resolution to all of this and we actually have a final bill, will you all be willing to come back and talk to our audience again to kind of help them better understand what they need to do to be more competitive in the marketplace? Absolutely. We'd welcome the chance. Wonderful. Information is power, and it always helps us move forward. Well, ladies, I want to thank you, Nicole, Angela, and Jana. I want to express my appreciation and gratitude for our guests today and for you taking time out of your busy busy schedule to spend some time with us and talk to us a little bit. This is a podcast series, and I want to let everyone know that this is going to be two more podcasts coming up. And this podcast is brought to you today in partnership with the Organization of Women in International Trade, Arkansas World Trade Center, and Sandler Travis Rosen. And we are happy to talk trade. And Angela, I am totally going to still move, make it, move it, sell it. That was brilliant. I love that. So thank you all again for your time. And we appreciate the information that you've shared with us today. Thank you. Okay. Thanks.